Captain Picard, priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Am I ready, Roman? Welcome to the Ready Your Room, the only and the longest-running Star Trek The Next Generation rewatch podcast. Ours is the only one that has onset stories from production and all the behind-the-scenes secrets to let loose for everyone to hear. My name is Mitchell Mells, Chief Consultant of Services, Paramount Studios, and with me is my life partner, Brandon Hobbs. Brandon, how are we doing this week? Uh, permission to speak candidly, Mitch? Granted. Thank you. Thank you. I'm uh, doing great. Yeah? Yeah. Wonderful. Wonderful. Oh, absolutely. We got a fun Klingon episode this week. Right, right, right. It's, uh, it's all good. You better uh, cling on to your seat, lest uh, oh. you get blown away. Yeah. Man, okay. thought that would get more of a laugh, but... Well, no, I, 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 gave, I gave you a ho-ho-ho. Right, no, I thought, I thought it would get more of a laugh. Not not or a from laugh, the audience. But, no, no, from you, just more of a laugh, like uh, a like a, a guffaw. Um, it was good. A rolling chuckle. It was good. I don't know if I would roll. Uh, well, I'll have to try harder next time. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, but you know that slight failure aside, we got another rip roaring episode of the Readier Room to get readier for today. And just like any episode of the Readier Room, this one starts with a question sent in by a Readier fan. Um, this one comes all the way from Korea, from KJ Un, who asks, Who was the unsung hero on the set of TNG? By the way, big fan of the show, your show, and uh, could you please give a shout-out to my friend Kathy? Stay ready, your Kathy. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, yes, Kathy, we hope you're enjoying the show. Thank you for listening. We appreciate uh, you being a fan and supporting us. Love it, love it, love it. But getting back to KJ's question about unsung heroes on the set, I think now for the common fan, there might be some answers that, that come to mind, like maybe um, a supporting cast member, um, somebody like, uh, you know, Mini, who was just there and, you know, kind of tying the set together, doing some mm-hmm. work on camera. But really, there's only one answer to this question. And that has to go to two guys. And those are the two guys responsible for making the quote-unquote automatic doors on the Enterprise function. Um, Anytime you see a character walk into a lift or go into another room and the door either slides up or slides apart, left and right, uh, that is all the work of two guys, um, Alex Bronson, Jeff Farrow. Uh, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They were partners for almost the entirety of the show's run. And the synchronicity that they had in getting those doors open was unreal. Um, especially yeah. with the lifts, which open from the center left to right. Like they both had to be perfectly in time to get that working and get the effect. And that... it, was, it was even crazier because it was like, it was like a crank type mechanism, right? For exactly. a lot of these things. Mm. And not only did they have to time that, you know, completely in sync, um, those things were loud. Right. And all of the work of um, kind of masking that noise doing it at opportune times when there might be another uh, noise going on that would mask it. Like, all those decisions fell onto them, and, and they nailed it. 
It was like their partnership was like, you know, pitcher and catcher, basically. Just two perfectly in sync minds, like a mind meld, you know? You know, uh-huh. the, the Vulcan stuff. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, in season six, early in season six, Alex uh, passed away due to prostate cancer that he had. And um, after that, Jeff was never really the same. Um, you know, he still kept his job. He worked with other people, but uh, you could tell. You watch those doors in the later seasons, and you could tell. And yeah, yeah. I attribute the, the decline of the series in, in its later seasons to the loss of Alex. So, you know, wherever you are, friends in heaven, please stay readier. Stay readier. Stay readier. But excellent question, KJ. And uh, anybody else out there who has a question that they want us to answer on the show, you can email us at room at gmail.com. That's with a capital T, capital R, and another capital R. Or you can DM us on Twitter, which I believe is at the room. So we're looking forward to your questions. And uh, at this point, we're having to keep you guys away with a stick, beat you away with a stick. So many questions coming in, but we... And we're sorry we can't get to every single one of them. Yes. If... if in a perfect world, we would just have um, endless questions. In fact, we might do just an entire episode of answering fan questions. If uh, that would be a good idea, if that's something you guys are interested in, but we certainly yeah. have the volume to do it. So perhaps look forward to that in the future. But for now, uh, we're going to get to today's episode, which I know for sure is episode nineteen. It is episode 19, you are correct. Yes, 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 yes. And I know yeah. this because when I was on Netflix to watch it, I saw the number, the ordinal number next to the title. And I was like, that is usually how you tell, yeah. Yeah, so I'm on the ball, yeah. and uh, the name of the episode I also know, it's Heart of Glory, two for two mm-hmm. on information. And we're, we're, we're killing it already. We're killing it. And this is the, the culmination of the increased wharf presence First, it started with some lines of dialogue, then a scene shared with the main character of that episode, Celestia Crusher, and now the Wharf episode. Yes, yes. Finally, we get a Klingon episode. I'm, yes. I'm very happy. You know, there's there's something about the Klingons that, um, for good reason, resonate with people. Mm. Um, and, you know, as, as we go through this episode, I'm sure we'll discuss more uh, deeply the kind of positives and negatives there are uh, in, in the way they're treated as a, a race, hmm. I suppose, in Star Trek. Uh, but they're just great. I love them. I love episodes about them. I could watch an entire series about them. Well, it's cool um, because Klingons have, like, the most attention paid to their culture um, out of any alien race in the show. And that's to, true. to some extent, more than um, Earth... Uh, people or the federation um yeah the yeah. Klingons just have a much more pronounced uh culture and society and i mean they have right. la- they have language which um is also it's its own fleshed out thing and it makes for a very compelling um sp- species i guess culture um it's, it's but- interesting science fiction it is it is and the episodes with Klingons that work best deal with um that culture gap i think mm-hmm. whether it's for sure uh like picard dealing with klingon affairs and on their terms or um Worf, uh reconciling his klingonness with uh his place in the federation which is what this episode touches on 
but both of those mm-hmm. themes are explored later on uh, in much greater detail, and uh, they both work right. really well. Yeah, um, I mean, this is another episode. It's it's of course season one. It's got a lot of great ideas that, as usual, I feel like we say this every episode. A lot of great ideas that kind of fall flat that aren't really explored in the way they should be or are kind of ham-fisted in their presentation it could be like the naked now which had no good ideas (laughs) that's true that's true and and that's i i'm giving the devil his due here that's why i like this episode Hmm. i I would recommend people watch this episode all right as opposed to the naked well we got our recommendation out of the way so let's go to this week's trivia and we'll be done but yeah, uh, we got we got a uh, it's a Rob Bowman episode. Rob Bowman returns directing, which mm-hmm. is always a treat. Yeah, he was always a, a pleasure to have in the chair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, and out of the chair when you know later on that happened. Right. Yeah, of course, of course. But yeah, he he really knew how to control it. You know, right. the chair that is. Um, he, he he he. Although he was sitting down the whole time, he definitely had a presence, uh, despite being so young too. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it oh, it, for, it foreboded good things for his career. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so yeah, why don't we why don't we dive right into it? I kind of want to go like chronologically. I think um, this episode kind of just touch on things as they come. Um, there's a lot to talk about here. There is. Um, I I forget exactly under what pretense the episode starts. I think it's just with them um, heading to investigate a, an errant ship. Yeah, yeah, it is. And um, uh, one of the most bizarre lines ever is uttered within the first several seconds. I quote, quoted uh, of the episode. Um, should we separate the saucer? Yeah, yep, yep. So that that's a line that only makes sense with a meta context to it, and it only makes sense to a very select amount of people. Um, but Riker is very eager to separate the saucer for really no reason um they're they're not even under duress they don't have reason to suspect that they're in danger but writers like let's let's separate the saucer and picard shoots him down which um really was just the writer's way of acknowledging how many times they wanted to separate the saucer in various scripts that have have also been shut down by uh higher ups like oh we don't want to do this effect or it's not going to work for this story whatever reason um that exact exchange played out very, very often during season one. And at this point, it's like kind of an inside baseball joke. Like, oh, Riker wants to separate the saucer. Picard won't let him. Ha ha ha. And uh, if you're not on the staff, then you look at this and you're like, why? <laughs> For well, Riker, Mitch, what I didn't even know that. I didn't even know that. That's that's uh, that's wonderful. Yeah, you'd only pick it up if you specifically like heard the writers gripe about this, or if you talked to them about it, because there's really no indication that um, yeah it's meant to be played for laughs. I mean, you know, I think it's cool sometimes to have like that kind of cheeky reference that the audience won't pick up on, but mm-hmm. not when it's as vexing as this. When it looks like Riker's is bad at his job and reactionary. It is, it is vexing, isn't it? It's very vexing. I mean, this is. I, I do think it's mentioned later, though, isn't it? Um, when the Klingons try to escape. Oh, is that the function that it quote-unquote serves in the in the script? It's like we have to remind uh, yeah. the audience that this can serve. Well, no, that doesn't work. Because yeah. when, when uh, Worf brings it up to the Klingons, he explains it in full detail. He's like, oh, you right. know, the Enterprise becomes quite the weapon when it's relieved of its bulk. 
Um, and uh, it's like, okay, well, I understand now. We didn't need this earlier. Man. But right, yeah. This wouldn't have been as vexing or confusing if any of those attempted saucer steps had gone through in the past episodes. <laughs> Just, you know, they, they use the saucer set, or they try to use the saucer set in situations where they don't need to. Um, they fail to use it when they do need to. Right. It's a mess. How many how many plots in this show involve like all of the civilians aboard the Enterprise being in mortal danger because they were dragged into to some like wormhole or something when they could have separated? And I think I think that's why we decided to kind of just let the saucer step thing die out because it did rob any situation of any kind of urgency, you know, like that where it, it, the solution would just be we'll just separate the ship and throw the civilians out into space. It's the same thing with Dr. Crusher, you know, bringing people back from the dead. Right, how, right. how much dramatic tension can you reasonably have when that's a thing that you can do? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you, you just you, you kind of gloss over it um, and just hope the audience doesn't pick up. Mm. Um, yeah, so so they go and investigate this, this ship, and um, I gotta say, when you watch the Netflix version of this, uh, the the differences between the, the old and new special effects when you see this ship uh, oh, yes. are astounding. Did you notice this? I did. And there's also a shot of the Enterprise in space where it's um, yep. a static image of the Enterprise over a not static image of space. And yes. it's, it's extremely jarring. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not really sure. There's not much you can do with... Uh, the budget they probably had to redo these special effects but mm. i mean come on it's it's very jarring right it's, um, i'll i'll let it go in season one but you know yeah <laughs> we'll talk about this again later um before we get to the ship though there's something that i wanted to touch on at the beginning where <clears throat> when they're discussing the situation with like the neutral zone and, and such they're like oh right it couldn't be the ferengi was it the romulans and I and I, I like perk up like what Romulans really come on we're doing it, um no we're not doing it there's no Romulans here, I no I was so because you know knowing what I know about the Romulans I quite like them as a villain and I was like oh right did they first pop up here I don't really remember no they didn't um I wish they did <laughs> it's like yeah the Klingon story is cool but um it seemed like a really good opportunity to to introduce that in the TNG. Now, and the Romulans yeah, I mean, are, are a holdover from the original series, I think. Yes. Okay. Yep. I guess I guess when you're you're in the neutral zone, mm. you're starting the episode in the neutral zone. Um, you would think that yes, this would be a Romulan centric episode. I can't say I, I share your enthusiasm for the Romulans. Is it not that I dislike them? Is it because they're blocky? Blocky. They're quite blocky. They wear like. Well, like their, their haircuts? Well, their haircuts and like the, the clothes they wear, like the shoulder pads are really blocky. Their sleeves are like rectangular yeah. prisms. I mean, they have attractive women, you but, know? Right, but like the design of their fashion and their... Yeah, I don't worry about that. It's just, um, I, I just happen to think Klingon women are hotter, that's all. What's, you what know? was your opinion on um, the Klingon woman Riker brought to the bridge for Worf to have like combat sex with? I thought she was very attractive. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, what are you, you going to do? No, I, I like that this is a Klingon episode. Yeah, I, I just... like that uh, our expectations were uh, 
what's the word um subverted subverted that's it yes yeah. does the neutral zone pop up later in season one was it just them introducing I'm it sure it does. i'm sure it does hmm. if i'm remembering correctly it does but i may be remembering completely wrong so um but it will pop up again regardless so that's true it, it could just be an introduction to the concept hmm. i mean no we've, we've talked about it before the neutral zone? haven't we i don't think it's we already have. showed up i think it ha- i don't sure think it has, it has. I don't disagree know. with you on that. No, one. we always definitely have. Where did it show up? It is already shown up. I don't know. No, but it <laughs> but I know it has. Yeah. After this, I'm I'm gonna Google and we're gonna look through the scripts. Actually, you know what? I'm gonna pull them out of my drawer here. Yeah. I got all the scripts in my drawer here. I'm gonna pull them out one by one. We're going through them page for line page. by line until <laughs> we find. Yes, and and we're gonna act it out together. Oh, that sounds. We're gonna separate roles. You know what? We'll put we'll do that. We'll put it up on the Patreon for our patrons um, to yeah. hear us yeah, do a live reading of different TNG scripts. Right, like back back in the good old days, huh? Yeah, exactly. So if that's something you want to hear and you're not, subscribe to our Patreon, um, Patreon.com/slash/ReadyRoom, and uh, you know, it, I think it's tier three. Yep. That gets nobody get that. Mm-hmm. Yep, tier yep. three, tier three. Okay. Yep. Hey, stay readier. Stay readier. But uh, for now, so, yeah. for, for the free stuff. Um, can't give that can't give that away so um they eventually they get to this ship that's like marooned and um they go to beam aboard with an away team of Riker, data geordie which is just peak main characters only can i just note that they they replace geordie with another geordie on the bridge while he's away (laughs) i'm sorry what (laughs) they replace geordie with another geordie you know Um, you know what i mean i i know what you mean yes it's um they have a quota to meet. It seems oddly specific is all I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, do you remember the that episode um I think season 2 there's a famous gif of it with like that black guy who like is gripping his head and like he just, like convulses and dies in the on the bridge and like in Jordy's seat. Yeah. 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 That's Jordy. Right. Jordy Jordy 2. Right. It just keeps happening. So this 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 um, excursion is an extremely confusing endeavor. It really is. Um, so to describe it in broad terms, the Enterprise crew boards a ship. They find Klingon refugees and they beam them back. That's pretty simple. They describe that in like fifteen seconds. Maybe it would play out over I don't know three minutes. Not to be. Instead, we have a subplot, I would say, where um, Jordy is transmitting video remotely from his visor so that the Enterprise can see what's happening where he is through his visor. Um, And everybody is amazed by this. They're like, oh my god, we can transmit video live? Really? I, I I refuse to believe that seeing through Jordy's visor in a situation like this is at all novel. Like No. It had to have happened before. I mean, just in the creation of this tech. Someone had to have seen through it. Right. And it's they they do it for the purpose of having a remote viewing of what everybody's seeing. And it's like later on in the episode, you you have a video call with a Klingon ship. God knows how far away in real time 
live video streaming. Like, what is the significance yep. of needing to see this through Jordy's visor? Visor. No, no, yeah, and um, I, I really, I really have to talk about just how trite the conversation is between Picard and Jordy. Oh, it's bad. You no, know, it's very bad. It's awkward. It's like stunted, and the the content is just horrible. So, like, like Picard asked Jordy, um, you know, how, how do you distinguish what you see? <laughs> how do you distinguish the 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 visual noise? Like, separate the 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 subject from the visual noise all around and uh jordy kind of shakes his head and laughs it's like, captain 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 <laughs> um he says you know, how do you hear in in a noisy room and then they both say something you learn something you learn yeah and um no it's not that's that's kind of um uh, an, an inherent skill um of of human beings that they're born with you know, it's it's one of the things that that autism, like autistic children, have an issue with. Right. That's part of what makes them autistic. Yes. It's not a skill that you learn. <laughs> it's not a skill that you learn. It the amount of reverence yeah, really paid to it is what's weird yes. to me. Um, yeah. It it, oh, it it feels like <laughs> it, it it feels like that picture, uh, that Facebook picture of the uh, you know, like like today we congratulated tyrone for being a black teen <laughs> you know what i mean yeah yeah <laughs> and this sequence goes on for such a long time where it's not it's not a throwaway line or a throwaway exchange of dialogue it's consistently like this is the point of this scene to, to establish how miraculous jordy is uh, i don't know yeah. um yeah. but like the only reason this made it in at all is because we had the effect lying around for the um, for the the visuals. It was like part of some music video that our effects guy saw, and he's like, "I want that That's effect. Right, I'm getting yeah. it." So he made, called his connections, he got it together, and um, he's like, "I did it, guys. I have this effect." And the writers are like, "Well, what are we gonna do with it?" And you know, he was just so enthusiastic that he had to find something, and uh, hence hence this, but. Th that doesn't explain away the amount of lip service the characters pay to uh, to Jordy and his his visor. And yeah, it, no, uh, they could have been done a lot better. And I, I wish it had been something like, "Oh, your ability to see um, infrared things or whatever not visible things is extremely pertinent to our mission here," because, like, yes, he ultimately sees that the hull is losing its integrity, but at the same yeah. time. They didn't know that going in, so the ne making it necessary to prep Jordy's visor ahead of time is, like, a, was coincidentally useful. Whereas had it been something like, oh, you know, Jordy, we need you to analyze the the air on this ship or something, and, you know, we need to see it too, uh, so we're going to outfit you with this. Um, made it more, would make it more logically acceptable than what it is. Yeah, like, they've, they've had a way away missions on abandoned ships before and they've never needed to outfit Jordy with any of this stuff. And let me tell you, they'll never need to do it again. That's for sure. Uh, so, you know, they eventually find the Klingons and um, the Klingons are immediately uh, cagey about their history and intentions. Um, mm -hmm. But they beam them back. There's three of them. One of them's dying. Crusher decides that she's not going to play God today and lets him die. Um, <laughs> Actually, yes, yeah, yeah. Um, they they 
go uh they go and eat food with Worf though at first. Um Right, and I, then they I come back. Yes. Yeah, I wanted to note that the, the replicator has Klingon food in it. Right, and it recognizes Klingon speech, which maybe that's how Worf talks to it. I'll accept it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, Klingon speech... It, <laughs> you're, um, you're, you're bringing up, you know, kind of, kind of a sour topic here, mm. which is... Um, well, you brought it up. Well, yeah, I mean, you said it, you said it recognized Klingon speech. Mm. you know um the the, the klingons spend some time you know g- getting to know Worf uh before before they go back to watch their comrade die right yeah they and, they, um, they customarily bully him yeah yeah i mean not even just bully though one of them has a weird monologue right um uh vaughn's character mm. he's standing behind Worf as he looks outside the window and, and i don't remember klingons ever being this verbose uh which I thought was kind of. Kind I I wrote, of I wrote that down in my notes. I'm like, for for a warrior race that that only cares about violence, the Klingons sure talk a lot about their feelings. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it is it is kind of like, mm, uh, the the kids might say a female trait, mm. you know. Mm. Um, but I you know I have to say this episode gets a lot of flack for having like fake Klingon, right? Um, they, 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 there's a few throwaway lines in this episode and um, I gotta say I think the fans tend to miss the forest for the trees here mm. because this is the first Klingon centric TNG episode um, and you know we see the whole plan with, with the Klingons since you know the inception of TNG itself was to kind of paint them as analogs to African Americans Mm. as I think we've already talked about. Um, and this episode does a lot of heavy lifting to set that up. You know, in, in the scene we just talked about, you know, where they, uh, actually several scenes, where they, they kind of get to know Worf. Um, you know, we learn that Worf is no father, mm. right? Um, Klingons are genetically predisposed to violence. You know, yes. this kind of stuff. Mm. Um, it, it's a clear parallel. And so, you know, when when they're getting their um, their Klingon food from from the replicator that knows how to make it, for some reason Miraculous. and recognizes Klingon speech, the Klingon speech that we we do hear uh, in the show it's it's something of a retooling to incorporate elements of like modern slang, right? Mm. Um, I I would think of it as sort of a, a Klingon AAVE. Mm. So you look at the script of this episode, and you'll notice most of the the quote fake words um are really just contractions of words you've already heard in the original series uh and it's 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 so obvious that i I can't believe the fans missed it um you know maurice who who wrote the script for this he was so proud of it but um we just got so much hate mail we had we had to walk it back you know there were these are people who have studied the klingon language for you know at this point decades right right well people just uh, don't like people don't like to accept that language evolves um, exactly. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And and that that was you know part of the statement as well is that you know so much time has passed here that um, the, the Klingons are obviously in a different position than they were before. Um, you know they, they they have to conform to a different standard of society. Uh, you know maybe a little more civilized society. Mm. And um, in in doing so, um, the, the the kind of rage that builds up because they're they're genetically predisposed to uh, to to hate order, right? You know, um, that that kind of uh, 
makes itself visible in, in the language of today, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, um, you know, it, 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 we, we did have to give up the language thing, but we would go on to develop a, a pretty extensive background canon around Klingons for the show, you know, like crime statistics, stuff like that, which um, I, I think showed up in some of the supplementary material. Right, and it, it was always on the minds of the writers when conceiving yeah, different yeah. Klingon characters and plots and such. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. We all, we all kind of had, like, um, you know, I, ideas that maybe the fans didn't, didn't know we had, you, right. know, you know, if, if I'm making sense. Later on in the series, when um, Alexander, Worf's son, pops up, the original title of that episode was Worf's Baby Mama. So, right, yes, yeah, yes, that's right. It, it, it manifested itself in many ways, that knowledge. <laughs> Um, but you know, anyway, I was just trying to say we tried, we tried something different. Maybe it didn't work out so well, but it was not, uh, for lack of trying or lack of knowing or any kind of ignorance. Yeah. People um, always assume the worst when, uh, you know, they do. give professionals some credit. Yeah. Yeah. Please. Please. So they, they, they do, um, they do watch their friend die. Yeah. Luckily, um, they, they made it back in time from their, um, powwow session over, uh, some disgusting Klingon food, whatever it is, um, grits or something. And uh, they watched their friend die. And here it was like a pretty good acting moment, I thought. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so originally they were going to have, you know, this Klingon monologue about, uh, you know, this this fallen warrior's honor and, you know, moving on to the next, you know, realm or whatever. Uh, Klingon mythology was, but instead, uh, the actor who played Chorus opted to just look up at the ceiling and and scream. And uh, yeah. nobody knew he was going to do this, but the other two Klingon actors, uh, Michael and uh, I forget the other guy's name, um, they they kind of turned and looked at him, and then they joined in. They looked up and they started screaming too. And you can see like in sequence one, two, three, as they pick up on what's happening, join in. Um, and that one moment added like so much to the Klingon lore um, of yep. what their their culture is. And uh, later on, yeah, that was yeah. I was gonna say that that was that that take that you see that was that was a one take deal. Exactly, exactly. It was perfect. Yeah. Um, later on in the episode, I forget who it is, but somebody has the line that nobody has ever seen the, the Klingon death ritual before. And uh, that was also kind of thrown in at the last minute because we hadn't seen it before either until until he improvised it. Which really uh, no one had seen. It. <laughs> exactly, fun little story. Um, yeah, and you know that's that's why um, Vaughn is kind of a legend when it comes to the Star Trek uh, guest stars. Mm-hmm. You know that's that's why you see him so many times going forward after TNG. Um, this is you know the only episode I think he did of TNG, but but he's he's a legend for it. You know. Right, he really left uh, a lot of himself in the franchise. Absolutely, and uh, yeah, we really can't thank him enough for for the uh, the Klingon death scream. Right, right. It's uh, um a wonderful piece of media. I think. Yeah. I think I'll try to funge it, um, because I like it so much. Yeah. So, so yeah. be on the lookout I mean, for that. So could you make it an NFT? <laughs> Could I make it an NFT? Um, I would love to. I don't know if I can, but I would love to. I would love to make Should that an NFT. Steal it, make it an NFT. 
Fantasy. We don't own the rights to it, but we kind of do because we worked on it. So I don't think it yeah, would be Yeah, I mean, a we, we were involved enough with it. I think, I think they'll let us do it. Yeah. You know, part of the NFT process is having the idea to make it an NFT. And, right, uh, right. Right. Which kind of grants us ownership, I think. We do need Trek NFTs, I think. We're, we're sorely lacking. Exactly, exactly. Um, okay, let me let me take a break from our scheduled uh, discussion to ask you, what would make the best TNG NFT? I've already thought about it, Mitch. So, get this. Okay. A digital 3D replica of the TNG bridge, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, fully interactable in VR. Ooh, that is good. Right? That is good. Isn't it? You know, you can sit in the captain's chair, you can mess with the little navigational computers, you can you know, even walk into the ready room. Right, yeah. See, I was thinking more of, like, replicas of um, Data's paintings would be oh, good yeah, NFTs. that would be cool, too. Oh, dude, you, could, you could combine them, Mitch. Oh, you my God. You could hang up the paintings on the bridge. Love it. Love it. And you, you know what you could, you could even do is um, on the bridge, you could have these, these blank spots, these, these blank spots that very clearly stand out mm. um, that just say, like, pay nine ninety nine to fill this spot with Data's painting. And, um, you know, in, in order to make it feel like you have the full experience, you, you have to. That's perfect. That's a, right. a million-dollar idea. It is. It is. I think, um, I, I mean, I know a lot of powerful people listen to us. So I'm uh, looking forward to that collaboration soon. Mm-hmm. Track NFT. I'm in. I'm in. So um, interspersed with his death of one of the Klingons is the, the other Klingons being uh, not forthcoming on what happened when interrogated by Picard. Right. And Picard's instantly like, oh, I don't trust him. And Riker's like, should we do something about it? And Picard's like, no. No, let's not. <laughs> there was yeah, war if it's um, fine. And this, I, just because it's like Worf is supposed to be dealing with it, I guess. I mean, it's kind of his episode, but um, this this episode kind of assumes a lot for for how Worf would act about certain things when really he has, he has no logical reason to act that way, right? I mean, like. I guess what I'm saying is I don't understand why Worf is so culturally distinct from humans when he was orphaned at such a young age and has grown up around them for so long. I think the idea uh, is that it it's instinctual in Klingons. I guess, right? Yeah. yeah, which, you know, a lot of people don't want to admit. Right. Exactly. It's, uh, it, it, there's a little bit of an uncomfortable truth, but, but yeah. it's there. Yeah. But yeah, the, the episode does does bring up the question that's never really quite fully answered i think in that you know why why would Worf's loyalty waver at all in the face of two random klingons especially ones who have betrayed the government right you know which is what happens but then they um the the klingons have a peace treaty with the federation these guys are um rebels because they don't want to abide by the peace treaty they'd rather be at war and uh they destroyed or killed everybody on that ship that that they were found on and that's like their first battle and now they want to steal the enterprise or destroy it because they're not okay being at peace um really this like oh will Worf join these guys will he not 
culminates in the most awkward scene um, in that hallway when uh, the Klingons are confronted by by Tasha. Oh, I gotta interrupt myself here. When You're very excited about this. I am. When Tasha Yar um, puts together a security team to go apprehend those Klingons, she and like four yellow shirt guys show up. And one of those yellow shirt guys is the same guy who operated the um, the transporter a couple episodes back where, where, you know, we made our thumbnail, that guy at the transporter. It's the same guy. Who? So... I, I, so you know, we have our video thumbnails. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, one of the thumbnails we had was some random, non-named character at the transporter. Um, and that actor right. is one of the same actors who plays one of the security guys in this scene. Well, that's a good eye. I'm gonna have to check with our producer on that. Yeah, yeah. Um, very, very high-level stuff but anyway very astute yes wow anyway um yar shows up and she's like oh Worf, they're bad klingons and Worf's like uh? right right okay Worf just stands there with a blank expression <laughs> right as usual. he turns More back like and looks at them laugh. it it's like a scene in in like airbud where it's like <laughs> airbud's loving fake owners and his true owner who's like an asshole and they're like airbud come right. to us and he goes no you will come here airbud uh, exactly and Worf, like literally it looks back and forth between the, the the federation security crew and these two klingons like what is he gonna do and then randomly like a woman and her child just walk out of the door like in the in the middle yep. of all this and yep. um the child runs up to the klingons who pick her up stare at her, give her to Worf, who then puts her down, and, <laughs> and then they just walk off with the security crew. They, they, they walk away. They don't go back in their rooms or anything. No. Um, no. The, the little girl and her mother. Um, they don't go back into the room where it's safe. They just continue to walk down the corridor back to you know wherever they're trying to go. It's like, get out of my way, um, Klingon asshole. I got, I got places yeah. to be. And you... Failed to mention the hilarity that was Tasha Yar um, putting in a notice for a potential kidnapping and then five seconds later <laughs> uh, reneging on that. That is very good. I did forget about that. It's it's truly bizarre because, as is explained, Klingons don't take uh, prisoners or hostages because that's cowardly. Um, right. But then why did this Klingon pick up the child in the first place? Just so he could give it back to Worf? And then Worf could give it back to the family? Right. Just to establish everybody here? <laughs> yeah, but, it does make you make you wonder what his endgame was. But yeah, imagine being on the other side of that uh, communicator. Um, like, oh, we got a hostage situation? What? Uh, no, we don't. Okay. Well, you know this. This is this is why Tar Tar Yar was going to get replaced anyway. It's true. Had a little bit of Freudian slip there. Spoilers, man. I, I, is that season I two or one? It's one. Oh God. Where's it's coming up? Yeah, it's her time felt like such a long, long time that I thought it was season two. I know. I know. Um, 
I have to say the the old brig is really dumb looking. Yeah, it's just like a uh, hole in the wall. Yeah, thank God the we were able to put in the force field effect. Otherwise, there would be nothing to signify that it's a brig at all. Actually, right, right. There's there's absolutely no infrastructure to be be holding prisoners. No. Later on, the brig gets into like a proper thing with like a monitoring station in the middle and several individual yeah, cells. Yeah, it looks, it looks a lot better. Yeah. Now it's like no, it's like a closet. It's um, it, it, it is. No, it's it's like um, it's like a third-rate YouTuber role-playing in his mom's house. You know, kind of repurposing. Right. The room. It, um, it doesn't even have a door. I don't think. Like it's just an no. open hole with a force field. I don't even think there was a force field effect. No, I think there was, it, I think there was one. A, like a brief second, though. Yeah, it's like, oh, and force field on, it flashes back. blue, and then it goes away. Yeah, so it, it looks like it's not even there. Yeah. So, <laughs> once they're in the brig, the two Cleon uh, warriors avail themselves of some pixie sticks that they brought on board and use those to create, like, a phaser or something. Um, yes. And then we, ha we have... Yeah. Nintendo Labo weapon. Yeah, it it looks like it's held together by by gum and dreams. Um, <laughs> so they also have something that disables the force field. I don't really get it, but they do. And then like a light action sequence begins where uh, Federation officers just kill a, a prisoner without really much apprehension. Yep. Like they don't. There's their phaser must have just been set to kill because he just shoots the guy and he just fucking dies. Yeah, they have a setting yeah, specifically uh, to avoid this. I, I will, I will note, however, that uh, despite being dead, Charles moves his jaw several times while on the floor. Yeah, I thought that he was moving his his face around to signify that he wasn't dead, and uh, right. then Yar's like, "Oh, Captain, one of the Klingons is dead." And maybe, maybe Yar just sucks at her job. <laughs> like that, he, that Klingon's still maybe alive, stolen away. He's still alive. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I have to note that the the guy who shot um, Conmel, I think was his name. Yeah. Um, the guy who shoots Conmel and kills him, um, then just kind of stands up straight and stares blankly down the hallway, waiting to get killed. <laughs> he he doesn't really attempt to like position himself, no, um, despite probably knowing that there are two Klingons. He did his job. He got, he got one of them. The other someone else can get the other guy. Yeah, he could have just, like, not died, though, you know? That's true. That's true. But we needed more gravitas going on. I, I don't I don't have another good time to bring this up, so I'm just going to bring it up now. Have you? Did you notice how ridiculous Chorus's shoes were? No. They have, like, paper rectangles glued to them? <laughs> they um, look no, terrible. I'm gonna Please I'm gonna do. Have to give it another go. Because, yeah, I didn't notice that. I thought the costumes in general were pretty good, though. The Klingon ones were, certainly. Yeah. Um, but just these shoes were not. Uh, so with these two guys, like, escaping, one of them now, I guess, um, Picard's talking to a Klingon ship that's come to collect them. And there's this weird display of ego where the, the Klingon officer's like, do you want our help to apprehend these guys? And Picard's like, no, yeah, right. I can handle it. Like, why not get their help? Like, what the hell? Yeah, I I don't know. That is a weird thing for Picard to do, I guess. But, I mean, really, 
Would would you, as a ship captain, want another ship captain, especially a Klingon, to waltz up to you and start shit talking your crew? No, yeah. but you know, Picard several times has put his ego aside to do to follow the greater good. Already, there, there are millions on board. Yeah, and certainly their lives quickly become in danger. <laughs> yes, yes. So after uh, having this whole moment to grandstand about how Klingons don't take hostages, um. Chorus then goes on to take the entire ship hostage by threatening to blow up its core. Uh, yes. Wow. Uh, so I guess he did die a coward. Yeah. Um, we have we have some interesting vertical shots here in, in this, this engineering scene. The second floor of engineering is the most intriguing thing in the entire show. It, it doesn't really get used much after this, to my knowledge. No, I don't think it does. I mean, it's got it's got a ladder and an elevator, which is already like, Bizarre. yeah. <laughs> the whole time I was thinking, why is it worth taking the elevator? Oh God, we're in the future. Yeah, we we shouldn't have to take a ladder anymore. The elevator is even like behind um, chorus in the shot. You can get it the drop on them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would have been a lot easier. And it's not, um, not that Worf cares about subtlety because he goes up there and he just immediately takes his phaser out and he's like, I'm "Yeah, fucking shoot you." It it, it kind of ends in, I mean, not so cool a way, right? I, you would think maybe they'd have like a sword fight or a fist fight or something. I I, um, I liked the dialogue there. Um, yeah, I thought that was good. I liked Worf's uh, rationale. Um, the their reconciliation of like the Klingon need for for victory and battle, uh, and versus the more human side with more emotion, and it's like the, the the real battle's in here. It's in your heart, man. Right. And you're losing it, you fucking coward. Um. Right. I thought that was cool. I like that. Uh. Yeah. I, I agree. I don't like so much how Worf's is like. All right. Now I'm gonna shoot you. <laughs> Could have shot you this whole time. <laughs> Oh yeah, and um, chorus does does really nothing to stop it. He just stands there. You would think he would shoot his Anchor. weapon at the core, which was the whole leverage that he had. Right. Yeah, and and he clearly didn't care if he died. Right. He's a Klingon, so yes, very clumsy, very clumsy standoff there. Uh, um, stuck the landing, but yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so Worf does shoot him, and um, and he, he falls straight through the glass. Which so uh, Vaughn wasn't supposed to do that. No. Uh, which I mean, come on, glass on a on a starship, it doesn't really make any sense, right? Like I said, this is the future. Um. So what was supposed to happen is is Worf shoots him, and so so Vaughn was just supposed to fall into the glass. So. Rob could get a shot of him, like, right below in a prone position, just, you know, for a little visual flare, right? Right. Um, you'd see up through the glass as he kind of starts to die. Um, but I guess I guess he fell just a little too hard, and he just completely shatters the floor uh, I, I think, and drops right out of the ground. I think a hard point on his costume, like, created a contact point with the glass that... That would make sense, yeah, that it shattered. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and so he he falls on the ground, um, and Rob would not let the action stop, of course. So 
Um, that shock reaction you see from Chorus and the little groan he does at the end there, that's, that's all genuine. Mm. It's a real reaction. Um, and then, of course, um, Michael does the, the Klingon war cry. He remembered that. Brilliant. <laughs> like, right. Oh, my God. That was perfect. Perfect. And he's, he's holding Chorus there. He was already fainted from shock in his arms. Um, and just screaming. And we get the most beautiful shot the most beautiful pan out of of uh, Michael doing the Klingon war cry. Less of a pan um, and more of a series of cuts. The series of cuts, yes, yeah, yeah. Um, just beautiful stuff. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's um a true what am I fighting for moment. Yeah, it really is. Um, that, that zoom out was just that was silly. It was extremely <laughs> silly. <laughs> but when, and, uh, when you have that much vertical space i guess what else are you gonna do michael always looks like he's a, i say this every time but he always looks like he's about to burst out laughing <laughs> i think him and um and and frakes have very similar approaches to acting where they have like one look that they yep. react to everything with and it's yes. <laughs> they they always do like the the like the the inhale so they kind of like puff up their chest a bit as as their face uh takes takes that shape yeah, they kind of do like the dreamworks face a little bit yeah. <laughs> you're right they absolutely do both both have this like the, the one reaction i think they do get better of course but mm. but at the beginning it's uh, funny to see. it is <laughs> it's definitely so um there's um i didn't have i forget exactly where this line was but i think it was in that final dialogue between um, chorus and wharf chorus says the phrase traitors of cling <laughs> notice how i started laughing like before you even i knew exactly what you were gonna say <laughs> i have so many questions um is, is, is that the name of the planet cling that's the name of the klingon planet yeah. no way <laughs> I, I can see why they never bring that up. Holy shit, that's so bad. <laughs> what does he say? The traitors of Kling? Traitors of Kling. Like, these traitors of Kling. Traitors of Kling. Yeah. <laughs> wow, yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely laughed out loud at that. It's like, you get, you know, you can get it. You piece together, like, alright, I guess that's the planet, but... Man, it sounds bad. It sounds bad. Yeah. How, how, um, do you, how do you feel about um, the Cleon approach to dead bodies, where they're always like, oh, it's just a vessel, you can burn it, I don't give a shit. Well, I'm, I'm glad they uh, <clears throat> prepared us for what would we what would be done with, with the dead bodies of the other two Klingons by, by having you know, the third one die first, so we could hear the line twice in the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> you know. What do I think of it? Yeah, I mean, what do you think of it? Pragmatic. Appreciate it. Yeah. Respect it. I th I'm on board. I think it's fine. Yeah, yeah I, I hope that's what they do with my body. Just, uh, whatever? Yeah. It's, it's an empty shell now. <laughs> it won't be empty if, uh, you know, they stuff it. That's true, they could taxidermy me. Have you ever eaten stuffed shells? Yeah, um, with, with like the ricotta? Yeah. Yeah, you know what? 
I remember um, actually, and this this is dating me, I guess. But as, as a kid, uh, I remember you used to be able to buy raviolis with meat inside. Can you still do that? I don't think you can. Um, Never seen them. No. No, but I'm intrigued, to say the least. Yeah, you eat like hamburger inside ravioli. Hmm. I'll ask Manuela to make some. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do that. Yeah, and um, I mean, you can have me over too if you want. Yeah. yeah All right, let's fine. Not, let's not get All ahead right. of ourselves. Got to, got to do the test run first, and if they're good, then maybe. I mean, we, can, we, can, we can fly it by Brent. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe do a live stream. Ooh, ready room live yeah. stream. Yeah. The yeah. red, the readiest. <laughs> That'd be the readiest room. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Perfect. So uh, um, let's let's talk about the end. Yeah, the weird tone of the last ninety seconds. The the, the sitcom ending of this episode. The only thing that was missing was everyone looking at each other and laughing. Yes. So at the end of it, um, they're talking to the Klingon guy, and he's like, Worf, you did a good job. Come work for us when you're done on the Enterprise. And Worf's like, uh, thank you. Whatever. Maybe I will. <laughs> and uh, It would be an honor. It would be like... an honor. Um, and the call ends, and everybody looks at Worf, and Worf's like, I was just being polite. And then silence for 30 seconds. Like, really? <laughs> right. <laughs> just horrible comedic timing, too. Right. And it's just, it's awkward. And then you have that, like, that, that saccharine little response from Picard where he's, he says, the bridge wouldn't be the same without. Yeah. It's. Which. What? <laughs> Worf doesn't do anything. He doesn't do anything. Why would Picard give a damn? Right. He's uh, not that kind of guy. No, it's... I always liked those uh, moments when the fact that they're co-workers is really um, uh, like stated clearly rather than best friends just because they're the characters on a TV show. Um, right. And you know, this comes up later with uh, Picard's approach to Data just being, you know, uh, a tool on his crew rather than than a real person, um, like th- those logical uh, displays of the relationships between the characters is is good. Things like this, where it's like, oh, we all love each other just because we work together, and you know, nobody else could possibly fill this void. It's a little <laughs> ridiculous. It's it's fine and it's it's welcome when it feels earned, but it doesn't feel particularly earned here. You know, it feels like in this episode that um, the entire crew is kind of just learning who Worf is for the first time. <laughs> well, the audience is too, I guess. <laughs> yeah, well, the audience is, and that's fine. But it feels like the crew, like this is the first time they haven't kept him at an arm's length. Right. It's like Worf, you can talk. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're they're horribly ignorant about you know every aspect of his life, his culture, everything. So, I don't know. It, it feels a little bit weird. Certainly. Well, but um, that's about the end of the episode. Then it is. Yeah. Uh, what did I think? I, about I guess it? all I could do is... what? What did I think? What did about you think it? about it? Yeah. Um, you thought you thought it was uh, a good episode for season one. Um. Mm. 
all I can really do is reiterate what I said before. I, you know, it, it, it makes a lot of uh, assumptions about things that shouldn't be assumed and um, the, the action's a little lame. You know, I think I would put this in my upper echelon of season one. Definitely. Right. But based on the impression I'm getting from you, I think I like it more than you do. Um, no, 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 not at all. That's that's not at all what I'm trying to say. I think I like it as much as you do. Okay. Because I'm a pretty big fan of this episode in context, obviously. Um, I find the Wharf stuff to be um, pretty successful. Like, going, divulging his character. Um, I find that to be successful and interesting. I like learning about Worf. Uh, I like yeah, the, the yeah. Klingon cultural stuff. It's really just one or two action scenes that, that don't really make it, but um, for the most part, this is like a just a decently solid episode, like a, like a seven. I, th- I think the exploration of um, Klingons trying, like, struggling to try to find a place in the world where they're allied mm. with the Federation is a very interesting concept. Yeah. That is um, good. I wish we spent more time on that. And I think we do. I think we do spend more time on that later. I just, I wish we'd kind of drilled down more into that, you know? So I'm trying but, to think like, what, what, what could have been cut to grant that more time? And it's certainly like all the Jordy stuff at the beginning that goes nowhere. Definitely all the Jordy stuff. Yeah. Um, I don't know, actually. I mean, we could have had a completely different ending. Mm. Uh, it's it's less about cutting and more about refocusing the episode. You know? Yeah. It's it's kind of an issue of th- this. This was more uh, an introduction to Worf than it was an exploration of those themes, of which the, is fine. Of the people of Kling. Yeah, the people of the traitors of Kling, if you will. Um, and I'm just saying that I thought the less explored theme was more interesting. You know, not to take away from, that, you know, the the introduction of Worf's character, which was also good. That is a common thread running through these episodes. Um, the more yeah, interesting yeah. idea being the less developed one. But mm-hmm. and as, maybe there's a reason for that. <laughs> as opposed to the previous episodes where that was the case, though, I think that um, the 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 secondary stuff or the the, <clears throat> the second most interesting stuff, the Worf stuff, is like really good here. So. Um, yeah. Rather yeah, than rather than sure. just being robbed of this opportunity for nothing, we get something in exchange. Definitely, definitely. Um, so, how many how many quad quarters would you give it? How many quad quarters would I give it? That's a good question. I think I, I think uh, it's not perfect. So it's I'd give it four out of six. Four out of six quad quarters. Yeah, actually, that that's perfect. I think I would do the same. Hmm. One day we'll hit the full six. Yeah, the sept factor. Not, not, not for a while, but yeah. Well, in that but, case, uh, I guess I guess that feels it, huh? Yeah, we uh, I'm for the best part of the week. Yeah. <laughs> so, should I take another shot at predicting the question? Sure. Something about Klingons. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. Well, oh, I thought you were gonna keep guessing. No, 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 that was it. That's all I got. Oh, okay, so 
Um, we're introduced to the Klingon planet Kling. this episode under the name Kling. What name is eventually settled on for the true name of the Klingon planet in Star Trek VI? And this is a multiple choice question. Okay, thank God. Is it Klingon? Wait, one more time? Klingon. Klingon. Same thing as the... Klingon. Okay. Yeah, it's Klingon. Is it, is it a Klingon? Ketumba? Kronos? Ultar? Or Epsilon Sagittary B? No way. No way is Epsilon Sagittary B. Putting a kibosh on that. Um, Ketumba sounds vaguely Klingon. I'm gonna... Oh god, it might be Klingon. Oh jeez. Um... <laughs> That's like dumb enough to work where it's like, uh, all right, I'm writing the script. What's the name of the Klingon planet? Kling? No, Klingon. No, no, no. Um, Patumba, Klingon, Epsilon, Sagittarius, whatever. And what were the other two? Uh, Ultar and Kronos. Kronos. Kronos, huh? They all sound like they could be it, it for different reasons. Mm-hmm. It's like this is this is where I am the least successful, by the way, where I'm thinking about <laughs> these options. Um Ultar, Kronos, Klingon, Pumbaa. Do you want to phone a friend? Sure. Who are you gonna phone? <laughs> oh god, I gotta I gotta choose. Um Ghostbusters. Uh well you can phone me. Alright, I'll phone you. Alright. Um Hold on. Uh, <clears throat> Will you pick up? Yeah, yeah. Hold on. Click. Uh, hi, Mitch. What's up? Hey, I'm on a, a trivia game show right now, and I need your help. I um, I have a multiple choice question I want to ask your opinion on. All right. Do you know Star Trek? I know of it. Okay. So the Klingons. The in Star Trek Six, what is the name of the Klingon home planet? Is it Klingon, Pumbar, Altar, um... It's Katoomba. Klingon, Katoomba, Altar. <laughs> Katoomba, Altar, uh, Epsilon, Sagittarius 7, or, um, what was the last one? Kronos. Or Kronos. Um, alright, so I can tell you it's not Klingon. Okay, okay. Do you, do you have any other insights? No, I can tell you. All right. That's all I can tell you. <laughs> all right, it's not Klingon. I, I might have chosen Klingon. Um, Katoombar, Ultar, Kronos. Katoomba with a K. Katoomba. 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 Uh, Kronos, Ultar, Epsilon, Sagittarius 7. B. Epsilon, Sagittarius B. V. Sorry. All right, I'm going to go with... B. B? Yeah. All right, I'm going to go with Kronos. Wow! Yeah? You did it! Yes! <laughs> Unbelievable! Now... Mind you, this is spelled Q-O apostrophe N-O-S. Okay, had you asked me to spell it, I would have gotten it wrong, but I think had I seen the spelling, I would have chosen it quicker. Yes, yeah, probably. Uh, I do want to note, however, that all of these were once the name of of the planet at some point. (laughs) Really? Yes, it's gone through like a dozen names. There's several more that I I didn't list. (laughs) Um, But yeah, eventually Kronos was, was the one that was settled on. For some reason. Are all of these names, like, throughout novels or the original series or what? Yeah, some are from, um, 
some are from novels some are from like supplementary material mm. so chronos was in the script of star trek 6 now where did it settle like if i looked up the lore today is it still chronos it's still chronos yeah, yeah. okay okay i like yep. it all right well i emerge victorious cool. again congratulations i am unstoppable i cannot be stopped and uh you best remember that but that'll do it for this episode of the readier room join us next week where i try to keep my trivia streak alive and until then everybody please stay ready the troublesome little man child consider that in the history of many worlds there have always been disposable creatures Beginning, 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 beginning.